And um, I'm just shaking on the inside for just anticipation of what God's going to speak to us this morning. So I hope you're ready. Um, Before I get into the word this morning, um, there's been a call to prayer today to pray for the Ukraine. And so as Life Change Church, we're going to take that time right now and we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are all the way across the country but are right here in our hearts. And um, as we were at our minister's retreat last week, our our speaker, his name is Max Barrasso, and he is from he, he is in our missions department at in Oklahoma City. And so he is involved in a lot of missionary work. And he said he said to um, Jason the other day, he said, um, the Ukraine is not asking for us to pray for peace. But the, the people of God, the churches, the ministers, they're asking for us to pray for boldness. Just let that sit right on top of you. Because here's a country who is physically being assaulted, physically, spiritually, and here we are sitting in our freedom. And we need to pray for boldness. The church of Jesus Christ needs boldness. And we're going to pray for peace too because I believe they need peace. But they are asking us to pray for boldness. Because they want to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ more boldly than they ever have before. In the middle of persecution and in the middle of tribulation and trials, they are asking their brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for boldness. So we're going to take just just a few minutes or however many minutes the Holy Spirit leads, and I'm going to pray for the Ukraine. If you want to stand, if you want to kneel, if you want to just reach out your hands, whatever you want to do, let's make an active um, motion today that we are standing in agreement with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, right now we pray for the Ukraine. And Lord, we pray that you would be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we thank you that you are in control. And Lord, this is not a surprise to you. And Lord, we just see different things that are going on in the world just lining up for you to come back, Jesus. And we don't know for sure exactly how this plays in your plan, but Lord, we do know that you are in control. And Father, we do know that you hold your people in the palm of your hands. And Lord, we thank you that you hide the people in Ukraine in the shelter of your protection. And Lord, we thank you that they are a, that you are a rock that they can run to and are safe. But Lord, we're going to agree with them and we're going to pray like they have asked us to pray. Lord, that you would give them boldness. Lord, that you would make them more bold than they have ever been before. Lord, that they would be able to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone around them. Lord, not only to the people of Ukraine, but to their enemies. Lord, we pray right now for those who persecute them. We pray right now for those who are their enemies. Lord, we pray that you would, you would just come in, Lord, and bring about everything that needs to come about without people, um, Lord, being killed or, or hurt. Lord Jesus, Lord, you can bring about your plan today, Jesus. And we are standing in agreement today with our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Ukraine. Lord, we just thank you that you do strengthen them. Lord, that you do give them a peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, that they will trust you like never before. Lord, that they will seek you like never before. And Lord, that they will see you like never before. 
And this morning, Lord, we humbly and almost um, guiltily pray for the church in America that our cry would be like the cry of our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, that we would have boldness, boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you today that that anointing and that prayer and that desire just rests upon us and we move about this city in boldness. We move about this state in boldness. And Lord, we see your people rising up around this country in boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty and awesome and powerful name, we agree together and we all say amen, amen, amen. Well, I was thinking, you know, with all the, everything that's going on this week, um, it was going to be a little bit difficult to preach because I want to give you just an encouraging word and, tell, and let you know that God is with us. And, um, I, you know, I was just really debated on what I needed to preach. And I just had this word, and, and it does go along with, with just exactly what we need to hear today. But, man, Kristen, the songs that Kristen picked this morning were exactly what we needed to hear to encourage us because... God is bigger than anything in this world. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen. So we've already sung about the greatness and the goodness of God. So let that just resonate in your heart and your spirit. And now we're going to preach the word. And I'm praying right now that the word will activate that it will be activated in your hearts right now, in your spirits, and that the word will come and bring a change in Jesus' name. So we've started this sermon series. Um, actually, it's not started. We're kind of like in the, what, fourth, I think maybe the fourth um, sermon of it. And, it, and it, the sermon series is called, and I'm just going to recap just really briefly, the sermon series is called The Three Houses right? So by now you should know what these three houses stand for, but I'm just going to give you just a few scriptures um, just to recap what we're talking about. But in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, the Word of God says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So right here, this scripture tells us that we are the temple of God. We're the house of God. You're the house of God. You're the house of God, Nick. Lauren, you're the house of God. We are the house of God, right? And so then in Matthew 21, Jesus tells us what kind of house we need to be. Matthew 21, 12 through 13. Let's read this together. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts. All right? We're temple, right? Here Jesus is entering the temple courts, and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Because it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So here we see that we are the temple of God. And here we see that Jesus calls the temple of God a what? House of prayer. That's right. So let's talk about the three houses. I've already said I am a house of God. 
right? The second house is the Christian family is a house of God, right? Me, Pastor Jason, together with Elizabeth, Jude, Lydia, we are a house of God, right? So our house should be called a house of prayer. And then we look at the church as our third house. The church is a house of God, and the church needs to be a house of prayer. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you. All right, so this is what we've established with our sermon series. So today, I'm going to tell you, talk to you today about unlocking the door. Unlocking the door to one of the keys of prayer. So, you know, all houses have doors, or they really should, right? They should have, if it's a good built house, it should have a door, okay? And if it's a really, you know, if you really, is a really secure house, most all doors have locks. And then hopefully, if you have a lock on your door, you have a key, right? So, I've got a funny story about um, being locked out of my house one time, but sometimes as a mom of three children, we get a little busy and get a little crazy, and we've got kids that go, I mean, Elizabeth's like going to basketball, Jude's going to baseball, Lydia's going to softball, I mean, we're going all different directions, right, and so sometimes we don't know where we're going or where we're coming, you know, we're just like we're growing in circles, anybody ever been there? Okay, all right, so you know exactly how I'm feeling, okay, so I, um, we always lock, the last thing we do is lock the door um, as we are leaving the house. Well, one day, I just briefly, in my scurrying around, I said, Elizabeth, please grab the keys and go put them in the truck so that we can um, go ahead and start the truck up and we can, we can go. And so, I, thinking that she heard me, um, we just did, we just went. And as I walked out the door, I locked it and shut the door. Well, we get into the truck, and it, our truck is one of those that you have the key, and you just, it's a key fob, and you put it there, and you hit the button, right, and the key, the truck starts up. So, thinking that the key was in there, I just hit the button, and it didn't start up. And so, I looked at Elizabeth, I said, did you get the key? And she said, Mom, no, I forgot to get the key. And I was like, that's no problem, because usually I just have my house keys just in my purse. And being crazy, running around that day, I was scurrying through my purse. And I don't know if, if any other woman is like this. You guys are probably not, because you're very organized. But my purse is a deep, dark abyss. Okay? And when, especially when I'm looking for something, and I do have a black purse. I'm thinking I probably need to change it to a white one or something. But I have a black purse, and I'm like... I'm like dumping that thing out and I'm looking for the keys and their keys are nowhere to be found. So come to find out my house keys and my car keys are locked in the house. You ever been there? Okay, it's a desperate feeling to be locked out of your house. It's like get me Somebody get come and get me. And we had doctor's appointments to go to. We were we were running so late. And I could not go. My, my keys were locked in my house. Well, you would never, ever want to rob the parsonage, okay? Because that thing is secure. It is locked down. When it is locked down, it is locked down, okay? Like, we could not get in any door. We couldn't get in any window. 
it was, we were locked out. We ended up having to call the, the, um, keys, the, what is it called? The locksmith. Man, he had to come change. Oh, it was a big deal. We were locked out of our house, but the keys were in the house. All we needed was to get the keys, right? We needed the keys. And so let's talk about why keys are important. Anybody ever been there, been locked out, you didn't have your keys? All right, so you know that feeling. So keys are important because they represent authority. They get you into your door, they, and then it gives you access to everything in the house. If I give Elizabeth my key, she's the oldest daughter, and so I'm, she needs a key to get in and out of the house when we're not there, then she has access to everything that is behind the door right? She can unlock the door, and she has access to all of the food. She has access to all of the um, entertainment, the TV, you know. She has access to everything that belongs in the house. And so keys are important because it represents authority. So I'm saying, here's my key, Elizabeth. You can come and go freely. You can have access to everything I own. So keys are important, right? So God's saying, there is a place I want to take you in your prayer life. And behind this locked door, because we've got to get the key, and behind this locked closed door, there is a place, behind here, there's a place of freedom. There is a place of joy. There is a place of peace. There is healing. There is things that we need to access behind this locked door. And so there are doors in our prayer life that God wants to unlock. And guess what? He has the key. I'm going to talk to you about Matthew 16, 19. Here's Peter has, has made the declaration that, you know, people are saying, who is Jesus? Is he Elijah? Is he Jeremiah? Is he prophet? And then Jesus looks at his disciples and say, guys, who do you say I am? And Peter makes the declaration Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the one who is to come and to be our salvation. He makes the declaration. And in Matthew 16, 19, it says this. He's, Jesus talking to Peter. He says, I will give you the keys of the, of the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus is just saying, hey, Peter, here, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And here they are. That whenever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. So if we're going to be a house of prayer, we need to make sure all doors to prayer are unlocked. Do you feel like today you might need to unlock some doors in your life? Well, I'm going to give you some keys today. There are some doors in our lives that if we allow God access to, he will take us to new levels of prayer. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. And I want to read this out of the New King James Version because I like the way that the end of this verse um, rolls. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed 
into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So God right here is saying, I want to move you from one level to the next. I want to move you from this glory to a higher glory. And I'm going to give you the keys to show you how you can do this. And Jesus has given the keys to the access of the Father. Let's read in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Man, I love this verse. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Okay, Jesus went through everything that we go through. And he says, I can empathize with your weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So here's Jesus giving us the key, and he says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus says, I'm giving you the key, and it is me. I have made the way for you to approach the throne of God with confidence. So let's talk about the first key. Scott, if you'll go back to 2 Corinthians 3.17, here's the first key we're going to talk about that Jesus gives us. It says, 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know what that word liberty means? Freedom. So Jesus' work on the cross brings me freedom. Freedom unlocks a door in my life. Freedom unlocks, the, unlocks so many things. There's a lock of bondage. Let's, let's look at these caution tapes here on this. On this. I, I didn't have like literal locks, so I'm just saying this is this caution tape. These X's represent different locks. But there's a lock that can be on our lives and in the, in the door. Remember, there's all wonderful things behind this door, right? That, that God wants us to access. He wants us to access freedom. He wants us to access peace. He wants us to access provision. He wants us to access joy. He wants us to access time spent with him. There's so many things behind this door, but sometimes if we don't have the key, then we can't access what is behind this door. So the first key that I want to talk to you about is liberty and freedom. Because fear, doubt, unbelief, addiction, sin, those are all things that, that keep us in bondage. And I don't know about you, but I know the Word says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So Jesus has given us the key of freedom. He wants to move us into a place of liberty. And when we pray in freedom, we see Matthew 7, 7 through 8 open up in our lives. And Jesus gives us this, and he says, when you pray and you pray in freedom, here's what will happen. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So I would say that the very first key that Jesus would want us to have is freedom. He wants us to take the key of freedom, and he has bought it on the cross. When he died on the cross, he bought it for us, and he says, I am giving you the key of freedom to unlock everything I have for you. And he takes the key, and he says, use it. Use it. (laughs) Don't lose it. Use it. And so let's talk about the second key. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty, first key. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So in this scripture is our second key, and it's transformation. Because God does not want to leave you where you're at. He wants to transform you. He doesn't want to leave us in our old dead, decaying state. He comes into our lives and he makes us new. I don't know about you, but I know the word of God says that he takes all the old and he makes us new. Now, therefore, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. Transformation has come. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 says this, therefore, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my law. We have to allow the transforming power of Jesus Christ to transform every part of us. Lord, come transform my thoughts. Lord, come transform my my issues. Lord, come transform my attitudes. Lord, come and transform my past. Lord, come and transform my future. Lord, come and transform my relationships. Through Jesus Christ and his work that he's done on the cross, he not only le- he does not leave us where we're at, he transforms us. Amen. So the second key is Jesus's transformation. And we don't take it and we don't use it. We take it and we say, Lord, we want you to help us to be a house of prayer. And when I want to be a house of prayer, I know I've got to pray in freedom. And Lord, when I want to be a house of prayer and build my my house up, I know I've got to be transformed. Because if I'm dealing with unforgiveness in my not transformed state, then my prayers are affected. Or if I'm dealing with old thinking that's got filled with just doubt and not hope, and I'm praying in my untransformed state, then are my prayers going to be very effective? No. 
So God wants us to take our transformation and just unlock this door where we can access everything that he has for us. Now, I'm only doing three keys. But this last key is where I'm going to spend most of my time on, okay? Because I want to just take you through the journey of how this key came about. So we accept the key of transformation, and Jesus wants to take us to a higher level. He wants to move us from glory to glory. And we're going to take this third key because it was a key that Jesus actually used himself. And it opened up every door he needed opening. And the third key, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the third key is, but we're going to talk about it. I'm going to tell you the journey that this key has been through. But the third key is the secret place. It's the secret place. So let me take you on the journey of the secret place. Okay, can I do that? I'm going to take you on the journey, and then we're going to see how Jesus used it. All right, I'm going to talk to you first about others who understood the key of the secret place because then you're going to see where this key has been and where it's going. Let's talk about Moses in Exodus 33, and we're going to start with verse 7. I've got some good bit of scripture I want to read to you here, but it's a story. So just be, um, just be actively involved in the story of what's going on with Moses here. It said, now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meaning. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meaning outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tent, watching Moses until he entered the tent. Okay, so here we have man of God. He goes into the tent of meeting where God is. And everybody else would just when he would walk into the tent of meeting, everybody else would go outside their tent and they would stand and they would just watch Moses go into the tent. I'm like putting myself in their shoes and I'm thinking, would I have just stood there and watched him go into the tent of meeting? I don't, I don't know. And so they watch him just as he goes into the tent. All right, verse 9. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Now, the Lord just didn't speak with anybody, okay? Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. Now, they weren't even getting to experience God like Moses was experiencing him. But, man, they knew that if Moses was experiencing God's presence, it was time to worship. This is how much they just desired to be with the Lord. They would just stand and they worship at their entrance. Let's go to verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. As one with a friend. As one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Oh man, that God would raise up some Joshua's. Young men and women of God that would not leave the tent of the Lord. And then... 
in verse 12, we see Moses say, saying to the Lord, Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You see what happens in the secret place? You see what happens here in the secret place? Here Moses is finding favor with God. Here Moses is is reminding God to remember that this nation is yours. And here Moses is hearing God speak. He's saying, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You see what happens in the secret place? All right, verse 15. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, Do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? You know, in the secret place, it's okay to talk to God. And it's okay to ask him questions. And it's okay to say, Lord, I want your presence. And I don't want to go anywhere where you're not there. And I don't want to move unless you're moving. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What distinguishes us from all the other people on the planet? God's presence, Emmanuel, God with us, God in us. What distinguishes us? God's presence. All right, let's go to verse 17 here. You guys hanging with me? Moses, pretty cool, right? All right. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked. In the secret place, God hears your cry. And here he answers Moses with, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. If Moses did not go, to the tent of meeting, to meet with God in the secret place. Would God know him by name? Would he? Would you agree with me that it's in the secret place is where God gets to know you and you get to know God? And then Moses said, man, he's so bold. He said, now God Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see my face, see me, and live. And then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Do you see what happens in the secret place? You might step outside of the door and say, 
God, I am so scared right now. I am so anxious. I am so fearful. I do not know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen to my kids. I don't know what's going to happen in Ukraine. I don't know what's going to happen in the government. I don't know what's going to happen in the United States of America. I don't know how my family is going to survive. I don't know. You got all these questions. You stand outside the door of the tent of meeting, but you walk inside that door, and here's what God says. He says, I'm going to hold you in the cleft of my rock, and I'm going to cover you with my hand. I'm going to allow my glory to pass before you. You are, I'm going to sit with you, and I'm going to see, talk to you face to face, and I'm going to call you my friend. It's in the secret place. So God allowed Moses to see his glory only from the secret place. There's an experience in the presence of the Lord that can only be enjoyed in the secret place. So then God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. You can read on there in Exodus. And then here's where I want to show you in Exodus 34, 29. We see what the time with the Lord in the secret place does for Moses. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. You spend time with Jesus, other people start to notice. You spend time in the secret place, other people are aware that you have been with Jesus. Says the same thing about the disciples in the, in the New Testament. That people knew that they were Jesus' disciples because they had been with Jesus because of the way they acted, the way they loved, the way they proclaimed the word of God. They knew that they had been with Jesus. His face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. After the people all around him had gotten over the fact that his face was shining like crazy, they wanted to come near him. And they were just like, let some of that presence just rub off on me. Let me, can I just get up right next to you, Moses? Can I just get some of that secret place off of you? But it doesn't work like that, does it? All right, Scott, go to the next verse. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with them, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. And then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Man, don't you want to be in the secret place? There's some things that happen in the secret place. So in the Old Testament, not everyone had access to the secret place. Moses was the only one God would allow to see his glory. And even then, he had to turn his back. He couldn't see God's face. 
And then Moses is the only one that God calls friend. The key to the secret place had not been given to everyone. And then we look down the ages and we see David. King David. Shepherd boy David. Out in the fields, spending time with God in the secret place of the fields. You know he did. You can read Psalms and you can tell that that man spent time with God. And the Bible does not say this of anybody else, but it says that he was a man after God's own heart. And everybody else looked at his outward appearance, but God says, I, 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 I don't look at how young he is. I don't look at how small he is. I don't look at the outward appearance. He might be the least qualified. He might be the smallest. But God says, I don't see that. I see his heart. And God, David's the only one that God says this of. So here's David's, one of David's revelation of the secret place. Go with me right now to Psalm 27, and we're just going to read five verses. You highlight these verses. Because here is just a key that David had of the secret place. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is coming from the man that took up three stones, five stones, only took one and swung it and killed a giant. He's not afraid because he's been in the secret place. He's been in the presence of God. He's been out on the hill worshiping and singing and praising God, writing the words of the Psalms. He said, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Go ahead. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. He'd already seen that. What did Goliath do? Stumble and he fell. Goliath said, the birds are going to eat you. David said, uh-uh. Wicked might come advance against me, but they're not going to devour me. Then in verse 3, it says, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. It was almost like David was saying, I don't care. Bring it on. Bring on the war. Bring on the enemies. Bring it on. Because I know in whom I stand. I know that I've been to the secret place and I've seen God. I know that he, when he, the one who helped me conquer the bear and the lion is the one who's going to help me de defeat the enemy, the giant Goliath. He was confident because he had been in the secret place. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to sink him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. And he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Is that what God did for Moses? 
Isn't that what God did for Moses in the secret place? And then we see David's son Solomon. Scott, I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but Solomon knew about the secret place because he saw his dad spending time in the secret place. And he was able to write in 2 Chronicles 7, 11, when he had built a temple for the Lord. This is what he said. He said, when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. And then he goes on to say, this is the Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Temple has just been dedicated to the Lord. And this is what God says about it. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague upon my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. He's talking about the secret place. So we're here in the Old Testament. David has built the temple. Now God has a temple that is made by human hands. And only the priests have access to him on a certain day of the year. Okay? It's the journey of this key. It's the journey of the secret place. But it does not stop there. Let's talk about Jesus. Leaving the presence of his Father in heaven comes down to earth and does not forget the secret place. I would say that it was the key to his life. Let's look at it. We continually see Jesus escaping to the secret place. Here's the key. The key to building this house. The key to building your house, Donna. The key to building your house, Melissa. The key to saying, this house is going to be a house of prayer, Maddie, is the secret place. Jesus declares the house of God is a house of prayer. So the house of prayer should be praying, right? And here's what happens in the secret place. It's in the secret place where God's glory is revealed. And we move from glory to glory. He wants to take us to another level. It's in the secret place that the Lord changes us into he, who he created us to be. It's in the secret place that transformation takes place. It's in the secret place that the Lord ministers to our hearts and transforms us. It's in the secret place where the Lord speaks to us. It's in the secret place that God reveals his promise. He brings revelation. Let's look at Jesus going into the secret place. And I'm almost done. Because we should always end with Jesus, right? Matthew 6, 6, Jesus tells us about going into the secret place. It says, but when you pray, go into your room, and close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Go into the secret place. Now, you can do this or you cannot do this, but this is a funny story, okay? We preached this at camp one year. And when you preach into kids, like they take things literal sometimes, right? 
most of the time. They take it very literal. So we preach about going into your closet and shutting the door and praying. I get this call from a mom at the office the next couple of weeks. And she said, Joy, I don't know what y'all, um, what, I, 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 I do know, but let me tell you what my child's doing, okay? Like, she has cleaned out her entire closet. Her closet. And she goes into the closet, and she prays. Like, literally. And I was like, well, let me tell you what we preached. And she's like, she's taking this literal. From the mouths of babes. Can we take it literal? Get you that closet cleaned out. Get you a room cleaned out. You find you a place where you can have a secret place, and you get along with God. Convicted me. Some of us need to clean out some closets, literally and spiritually. We need to get our closets cleaned out because we have not made room for Jesus in the secret place. We fill our closets with so many things. We say, you know what? All the stuff that I do and the time that it feels, I don't have time for the secret place. Or just all of our stuff that we accumulate, that we have to take care of. I don't have time for the secret place. Or all this worry and depression and anxiety, it pushes out the secret place. Jesus said, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's look at Mark 1.35. It says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And we find Jesus doing this continually in the Scriptures. Before and after the secret place moments, it's because of Jesus' time in the secret place that he's able to conquer the devil in the wilderness of temptation. If you go back here and you scroll down and you look at the story that's above this right here, Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted. He spent 40 days praying and fasting. You know he was in the secret place. And the enemy comes against him, and what is he able to do? Defeat him. And then you scroll down to 35, and you see he's still going to the secret place. Even though he's performing miracles, and people are being saved, and people are being healed, he still takes time to go into the secret place. Right before this right here, in Mark 1.34, it says, And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. In the secret place, the enemy knows whose you are. You got to spend time in the secret place. And then after Mark 1.35, we see Jesus 
uh, Peter and his companions went to look for Jesus, and when they found them, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you! What are you doing? I have to spend time with my Father. Because there's people who need to be healed. There's diseases that need to be healed. There's demons that need to be cast out. And I've got to have my time in the secret place because I need God to strengthen me. I need God to pour into me. I need God to refresh me. I need God to speak to me. I need God to remind me that he's my friend. I need God to speak to me face to face in the secret place. Jesus knew the key. Simon Peter says, everyone's looking for you. And here's what Jesus said. Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Because that is why I have come. And in the secret place, he was reminded of his purpose. He was refreshed and refueled to do what God had called him to do. And there's a moment in Jesus' life where he hands us the key to the secret place. You want to read it? All right, Matthew 27, 50 through 51. Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins. And in verse 50, it says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, not a minute, Not an hour, but at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. Can I tell you about that veil? It was 60 feet high. Can I tell you about how thick it was? It was four inches thick. That's not confirmed in the Bible, but that's what Jewish tradition says. It also teaches us that it was fashioned from blue, purple, and scarlet material, and it was twisted with fine linen. Four inches thick, y'all. And it didn't happen because of the earthquake. Because if it happened from, because of the earthquake, it would have gone like this. But the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit and the veil was torn, it went from top to bottom. That means God stretched out his, his hand and said, it is finished. The barrier between me and you is now gone. Come on. When Jesus died, the veil was torn. And God moved out of that place. Never again to dwell in a temple made by man. Never, never again. He said, the holy of holies, the secret place is now yours. It's now yours. There is no barrier. It is yours. Jesus Christ, through his death, has removed the barriers between God and man, and now we may approach him with confidence and boldness. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. 
I know I've said I'm almost done, but I am. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus says the veil is torn. Moses, you don't have to wear that veil anymore because now the presence of God is for everybody. He's moving us from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're fixing to unlock this door because Revelations 1, 12 through 18 says this. And this is John on the Isle of Patmos being taken into the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he heard a voice and he turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. And his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. I cannot wait to see Jesus in heaven. What about you? This sounds amazing. And in his right hand, he held the seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. After dad passed away, the Lord gave me a dream, and I saw heaven. And the light was the brightest light I have ever seen, and I knew it was Jesus. And I felt the presence of God so strong than I've ever felt in my life. And I saw the light. I could describe the light to you, but I can't. But I could feel it. I could feel the light. This is Jesus we're talking about. He permeates heaven. He is the light. And his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. I would too, wouldn't you? And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Mm. He holds the keys. And he's saying today, I want you to come and spend time with me in the secret place because I have purchased that for you. You have been given the keys to the secret place. So can we let the Holy Spirit And allow the Holy Spirit to help us unlock the door of bondage today and bring freedom? Can we allow the Holy Spirit to bring transformation to us today? And can we allow the Holy Spirit to open wide the door of the secret place and say, come on 
in. Come on in. The Word of God says, but when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Here's what happens. I go in. And now I have access to everything that is in the Father's house. I have access to his peace. I have access to his presence. I have access to everything I need because he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And in his house, in the secret place, he provides. And then this is the kind of house of prayer I become. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and, it will, and I will find it. Knock, and the door will be open for me. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Because Jesus has the keys. So let's pray. Lord, this morning, I am very, very convicted because I do not spend enough time in the secret place. And Lord, this morning, I am very, very convicted that it's in the secret place where change happens. And it's in the secret place where you hide me in the shelter of your wings. And it's in the secret place that you, your glory passes by me. And it brings transformation. And it brings freedom. And it brings hope. And it brings victory. Lord, pass in front of us today. Show us your glory today. Because, God, it's your presence that changes us. It's in the secret place where we find you. And Lord, your word says that when we seek you, we will find you. Lord, I want to ask you this morning, and I want to seek you this morning, and I want to knock this morning. And Lord, I know that when I do, your word says it will be given to me, and I will find you, and you will open the door for me today. So Father, speak to our hearts right now in Jesus' name. Convict us of the secret place. That we would take our time to spend with you. Because if we want to be a house of prayer, it is in the secret place that we are built and that we move from glory to glory. So this morning, Lord, maybe there's someone in the room who's never opened the door for you. God, I don't know who it is, but you do. And Holy Spirit, you are speaking to that heart right now. So if you would like to open the door to Jesus this morning, will you raise your hand? I see it. I see that hand. I see that hand. Church, will you just repeat after me? And online, if you're watching or listening to the podcast, just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, come in. Jesus, 
I need you. I believe you died on the cross and saved me. And I believe you're bringing me freedom. You're going to transform me. And you're going to lead me to the secret place. And Father, I just pray over everyone in the room today that you would help us to take time every day to meet with you in the secret place because it was purchased for me and the veil was torn for me and the barrier is gone for me and now I can meet with you face to face and you call me Joy Byler friend that's what you do for each and every one of us so this morning Lord if you're in this place and the Holy Spirit has convicted your heart of the secret place and you want to commit to spend time with him can you just lift your hand in obedience this morning hands up all over the room Lord we just lift our hands to you Lord, we just want to be surrendered to you, Jesus, and obedient to you, Jesus. And Lord, help us to be good stewards of our time where there's so many things that we do and we get to the bottom and the end of our day and we say, Lord, I just don't have time today. I'll do it tomorrow. But Lord, your secret place is so important. And we just want to surrender our time to you. Make us good stewards of our time. Remove distractions from our life. Help us to surrender everything to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? He's given you the key. The keys. Freedom, transformation, and the key to the secret place. Let's use them. Let's don't be locked out. Let's use them in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Before we dismiss this morning, I'd like to pray for um, Poco, Rick, and I think Christian, are you leaving also? Nick, are you leaving also? These guys are leaving this week to go to New Hampshire, right, Um, to to their jobs. And so we just want to... Pray a prayer of protection over them and pray that God will just bless their efforts, bless their job, and um, bless Sandy and the family members that are being left behind. And um, so can we join together as, as the people of God and pray for um, these family members as they go and, and leave us for a couple of months? Father, we just pray for Rick and we pray for Nick and we pray for Christian as they go um, to work, Lord, their jobs that are in New Hampshire. It takes them away from their family um, for a couple of months. And Lord, we know that is hard for them and hard for the family. And so God, we just pray your protection over them. Lord, we pray your peace over them. We pray that your presence goes before for them. We pray that your your voice is the voice behind them saying, walk this way. Lord, we pray for blessings on their provisions. We pray, pray for blessings over their jobs. We pray for blessings over their sales. And Lord, we will give you all the glory as we see you just move mightily in their lives and as they, as they experience favor, as they experience um, your power, as they experience your Jehovah Jireh provision. 
And we just thank you today that you bless them as they go and they travel this week. Protect them. Put a hedge of protection around about them. And Lord, we just pray that the angels cover them and keep them safe. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you rest and give you peace and give you favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week this week. We will see you back next Sunday. And um, you be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.